Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but an account of the crowd he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Well, this is a new experience today. I've said to some that uh, I don't think I can ever remember speaking to an empty facility. But we're not quite empty. We have a few that are here this morning. And our story this morning is about the scripture that you just heard Penny read for us, that of Zacchaeus. I want to put the story in a little bit of context for you. Uh, if we go back in our scriptures and we look at the book of Luke, the story, if you remember the, the reference, the story that uh, uh, Penny just read for us, the scripture, is in the 19th chapter of Luke. If we go back to the 5th chapter of Luke, there is the story of the call of Levi. And it's a very similar story to the one that we have before us today with Zacchaeus. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and he left everything and he followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house. And there was a large crowd of tax collectors that came and others sitting at the table with them. The Pharisees and the scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Now, you all know uh, about Levi and that becoming uh, Matthew as a disciple of Jesus. And then as we move down through the book of Luke a little bit farther, we find that Jesus begins after 
uh, the majority of his years of ministry that he begins uh, to uh, make way towards Jerusalem. And he realizes that it's becoming the end of his period of time of ministry. And so he starts to make his journey towards Jerusalem, knowing that that is where he must go. He travels not at a rapid rate. It's not, he doesn't try to get there as quick as he can. He stops along the way and he teaches and he preaches and does many of the things that uh, he did in all of his ministry. In that process, there is in the 10th chapter, the story of the mission of the 70. And this is where Jesus then takes the opportunity to send out the many of the disciples that had been following him and had been learning from him. Not just the 12 that were called by Jesus, but the many of the people that had been following him and were called as disciples to follow him. And as we know, a disciple is someone who uh, believes in the teachings of the individual that they are following and they are discipled to. And their responsibility is to learn as much as they can, but then to become like that person as much as they can. To begin to teach and to pass those words on that they have come to love and understand from the person that they are discipled of. And so Jesus sends out the 70, and in some versions it calls them the 72. But the 70 go out, and they are sent out without sandal or purse or script. In other words, they went with just the message that Jesus had been teaching them. And they went out into the towns, and they were at awe with the kind of ministry that they could provide to the people that they encountered. That first 10 verses of that is the, of the 10th chapter is the, uh, the account of that. And then we see many of the uh, parables that Jesus taught. In the 11th chapter, he brings us the Lord's Prayer. And all of this time, he continues to journey towards Jerusalem. In the 19th chapter, we find Jesus at Jericho. The same Jericho that Joshua fought the battle and surrounded the city and marched around it and the walls fell and the children sing songs about uh, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. And uh, it's a, a popular Bible story that children understand. But it occurred in Jericho. At one point, Mark Anthony, married to Cleopatra, gave her the city of Jericho as a gift. Um, and part of the reason of that was that Jericho as a city is a city that is a kind of a crossroads city. It's on the River Jordan. It's in the valley of the River Jordan. It's actually below sea level at that location. And it's a place that's known as the City of the Palms. And then the palms were date palms, and they had wonderful forests of balsam and that emitted a wonderful smell. And both of those were wonderful uh, trade items. And in fact, the Romans used them as trade in foreign countries uh, in exchange for other things that they wanted and needed. So Jericho was a commercial hotbed 
This is where all of the economy of the time in that, in that part of the world uh, crossed over and went in between. That's why it was such a wonderful gift to Cleopatra. But that also sets us up for the setting in which we find Zacchaeus. Because Zacchaeus is, as you heard in the scripture, or was a tax collector. Now, in the Roman time, tax collected, the Romans decided they did not want to collect their own taxes. They understood what, uh, what the imagery was of the individuals that collected taxes would be. And so they didn't want that kind of image thrust on the Roman government. So they contracted that out. And they would hire people to be tax collectors, and it would go to the highest bidder. And the reason it would go to the highest bidder was because the taxes were then assigned to the person that was going to be the tax collector, the amount of money that the uh, Roman government expected to get in taxes was assigned to that tax collector. And that tax collector was responsible for collecting that amount of money and turning that over to the Roman government. But the reason it was such a high-valued position was because if they could collect more taxes than they had to turn into Rome, that became their money. And that's how they got their wealth, because they overtaxed. And they didn't live in a country, or in, a, in a society where communications uh, moved faster than people could because communications happened with the movement of people and so the people never really knew what Rome was needing to tax them um, the amount what it was and so whatever the tax paper, uh, tax collector said was what they had to pay now Zacchaeus as a tax collector um, then worked his way up he was such a good tax collector that Rome put him in charge of all of those that were in the Jericho area as tax collectors. That made him a chief tax collector. And as a chief tax collector, he not only could collect taxes from individuals, but he didn't need to do that because he oversaw all of the other tax collectors that were out there. And in that oversight, he got a certain portion of the total amount of taxes that that tax collector taxed, and he got a portion of all of that. So it was kind of the uh, early, I want to say Ponzi scheme, but not the Ponzi scheme. It was a, a multi-level marketing kind of a thing where you, he would make money off of the taxes that someone else collected. And so... He was a very wealthy man and a very highly despised person because he was so wealthy, but he was so wealthy on the backs of the people that were there. I can only imagine it was a very lonely existence. I can only imagine the kind of life that he couldn't live 
He had everything. He could have anything that he wanted at his disposal. He could pay for anything. He could go anywhere. But he was not a happy man because he was despised by the people amongst whom he lived. As a result, when Jesus came into town, the word of Jesus had gone before. Now, I can only imagine that Zacchaeus being the disgruntled person that he was internally only wondered what this Jesus was all about. What was this peace that he talked about? What were the blessings that he talked about? What was the heavenly blessings, the hereafter, the God that created us all, who has this heavenly mansion there waiting for us? What is all of this that he keeps talking about? And so when Jesus came into town, Zacchaeus was curious. Now Zacchaeus was, as the song goes, a wee little man. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up into the sycamore tree toward the Lord he wanted to see. As Jesus came, uh, what's the words of that? As as the Savior passed that, his, this way, he looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. If we'd have had our normal service, the children's choir would have sung that for us today, and we would have heard them sing that to us instead of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have apologized before I sang it. But Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He was short. And can you imagine a short little guy in a crowd, kind of a parade, uh, as you talked about to the children? Uh, he was in the midst of that crowd. Now, he was despised. Can you imagine all of those people who knew who he was, and I imagine most of them did, that were surrounding him in that crowd, now as they get their chance, in the midst of this pressed-in crowd, to get a little elbow in, or to get a little kick in, or to pinch him, or to make him feel uncomfortable. or I mean, I, I can only imagine how they, despising him the way that they did, could make him be that much more uncomfortable, let alone the fact that he couldn't see anything. And so he worked his way out of the crowd, and he ran ahead, and he climbed up into that sycamore tree, which is also known as a date mulberry. He climbed up into that tree. It had wonderful shade. It had nice branches to climb on. It had a fairly short trunk, so he could get to the first branch to climb up into it. I can imagine children climbing up into that tree and enjoying that. They may even been up there curious themselves when Zacchaeus climbed up into the tree. The story doesn't tell us anything about that. It just says Zacchaeus went up into the tree. But he went up into the tree, and as Jesus comes by, it afforded Jesus a better opportunity to see Zacchaeus as he looked up. Not only for Zacchaeus to see him, but for Jesus to see Zacchaeus. Now the question comes, 
Why did Jesus single out Zacchaeus? Did he know he was a tax collector? Did he know that he was a sinner? Did he know that he was despised by all of the people? I don't know. It's very possible that as we see the other stories of Jesus, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, uh, all of the other stories that are surrounded, he knew about their life. He knew who they were. He knew when the woman touched the hem of his garment because he could feel the Spirit move out of him. So I think there was something personally that allowed Jesus to know that Zacchaeus was a man that was searching for something better in life and he was not happy. That he was curious about Jesus. So Jesus saw this as an opportunity to find one of the lost sheep. And so Jesus calls to him and says, Zacchaeus, come down, for I'm going to your house today. That incited the crowds. They didn't like the idea that Jesus was going to associate with a sinner. Not just a sinner, but the sinner that took tax money, that made them live in poverty while he was living in great wealth. And so they grumbled and they complained. At that moment, I think Zacchaeus saw and understood the depths of despair that he had fallen. Because he said, in response to the crowd, and in response to the love of Jesus that he was feeling. You see, someone going to someone's house in those days for a meal meant that they were good friends of yours, that you were willing to spend time with them, that you were willing to give up some inconveniences for them. We talk about friendship and how, how much a friendship uh, requires of us if we are true friends, that we will give up our time, that we will give up our energy, that we will spend precious moments and dollars and time and give it up in order to go help a friend. And that's the kind of relationship that a person had if they went to someone's house. So Jesus was not only going to Zac Zacchaeus' house, who was a sinner, but he was going there to share a meal as a friend. And they didn't understand that. Zacchaeus was prompted at that moment to say, all right, crowd, back off a little bit. And Jesus, if I have wronged anyone, and if I have taken money from them in, illegally or improperly, I will return it fourfold. And of my entire wealth, I will give half of it to the poor. Now, just a few chapters in front of this story in the book of Luke, Jesus had an encounter with, with a rich young man. 
And in that process, the rich man said, I have kept the laws all of my years. What must I do to gain your blessing and to gain the gifts of heaven? And Jesus said, sell all that you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. And the young man went away sad. Zacchaeus has the attitude of joy here. He wants to give his money away. He wants to give the improperly gained funds that he had back to those that he had harmed. He wanted to give reparation to those that he had improperly taken from. And so he does. There's arguments out there as to whether he gave all, why, why didn't he give all that he had uh, as Jesus had commanded the rich young ruler to do. But Jesus didn't have to command Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus volunteered. And as a result of Zacchaeus' volunteering to give this reparation, Jesus said, You are a son of Abraham. You are a lost sheep, and I bring you back into my fold. And he gave him that forgiveness. You see, reparation is a part of that forgiveness process. Pastor Amy asked us last week to think about and to ask for forgiveness in this last week. A part of that is making restitution for what it is that we have, have done. If we have harmed someone, let us go to them and make sure that they understand that we understand what we did and we want to somehow give back to them. We just don't want, don't want to admit that we did wrong, sorry, and go on our own way. We want to repair that damage. And that's a part of that forgiving process. So as you think about forgiveness, also think about the kinds of sins that we have committed and who they've been committed against. And is there some kind of an action that we need to take to repair the damage that we have done in the process of sin? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. That was spelled W-E-E -E in the song. If we think about it and we spell it W-E, we can put ourselves into that context and we can say, we are a wee little man. We are in the same stature as Zacchaeus. And the joy that he found in making reparations and to find the joy of Jesus in his life and to change his life is another example of Jesus being a God of second chances. It's never too late to make changes. It's never too late 
to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's never too late to ask for forgiveness. May God bless us as we continue to try to become disciples closer to Jesus as we hone in on the joy of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, like Zacchaeus did. Amen.